Today's podcast features an article from Discern Magazine. Peace on Earth. Really? Every year, Christmas cards proclaim, Peace on Earth, Goodwill to Men. This is attributed to the Bible, but does it truly reflect the biblical message? By Bill Palmer. The world took a dangerous turn in 2022. That is the opening of a report compiled by the Council on Foreign Relations. The Council identified 30 conflicts around the world that could easily escalate, potentially bringing immeasurably more misery and destruction than the world has seen in decades. This is a far cry from the feel-good sentiment of peace on earth that many Christmas cards proclaim. These words, familiar to almost everyone in the Western world, are based on a single passage. Only the Gospel of Luke tells us that at the time Jesus was born, an angel appeared to shepherds in the fields outside Bethlehem to announce his birth. You can read of that in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 12. As the angel concluded his words, a multitude of the heavenly host, it says, suddenly appeared. They praised God and then made their oft-repeated statement, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. If angels proclaimed peace on earth nearly 2,000 years ago, then why has humanity suffered so many devastating wars since that announcement? Were they wrong? What the angels proclaimed was not universal world peace at that time, but a prophecy of peace that will spread after the Messiah's second coming. But the Bible also proclaims peace as a blessing for individuals with whom God is pleased now. See John 14:27. Throughout the Bible, the prophets proclaimed the peace that the Messiah will bring. Christians now are to pray for that future time of peace to come, according to Christ's words in Matthew 6:10. And we are to live that way of peace now, and to grow in peace, a fruit of the Holy Spirit. But how can anyone enjoy peace in a world torn apart by continual conflict? Part of the answer lies in the Greek word irene. Like the English word peace, it has a broad range of meanings. In essence, it can refer to harmonious relationships between nations between individual men and women, and between humans and God. The birth of Christ was a pivotal moment in God's plan to reconcile a sinful human race to Himself. Our Redeemer had been born, and all humans would eventually have the opportunity to be reconciled to God through His shed blood. During His ministry, Jesus made it clear that there would be opposition to His work of reconciliation. Some people, called by God, would respond, but much of the world would resist. That's why, when He was sending the twelve apostles out, Jesus warned them that they would face hostility and even persecution. He made it clear that at the time of His ministry, He had not, as He said, come to bring peace, but a sword. Matthew 10.34 the next several verses show that Jesus expected His disciples to put Him before their family relationships. 
He did not promise peace then. True disciples, both then and now, willingly give up everything, in essence, losing their lives, to follow in Christ's footsteps. Paradoxically, these same people will find their lives and in the process find true peace. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus pronounced a series of blessings based on particular character traits important to God. Among these beatitudes, which comes from the Latin word for blessed, is one regarding peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Matthew 5, 9. This beatitude puts some of the responsibility for personal peace on the shoulders of Christ's disciples. Anyone who wants to enjoy peace must first be willing to make peace. It is this willingness that puts us on the path to becoming sons and daughters of the God of peace, according to Philippians 4.9. That's one reason Paul later urged the church at Rome, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. And that's also why he exhorted the church at Corinth, which was facing divisions that could have torn it apart if left unchecked to be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. We humans are, of course, limited in our ability to make peace. On the night before Christ's crucifixion, the very act that made reconciliation and peace between God and man possible, Jesus spoke of how the disciples would scatter at his arrest, leaving him seemingly alone to face his trial and crucifixion. But he explained he would not be alone, for God the Father was always with him. It was at this moment that Christ comforted his disciples, assuring them that through him they would have the gift of peace. These things I have spoken to you, he said, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. This peace is a peace that comes from a solid relationship with God the Father and with Christ our Savior. This path to peace involves belief, repentance of sin, baptism, and receiving the Holy Spirit. Through this peace, Jesus faced crucifixion. And through this peace, we can face whatever tribulations come our way. When the heavenly host spoke of peace on earth, they spoke of the peace that comes from a close relationship with the Prince of Peace. It is this relationship that offers us the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, as we read in Philippians 4.7. And finally, it is this peace between God and His human children that will lay the groundwork for the peace that will exist among nations during the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening. For more information from today's featured article, visit lifehopeandtruth.com.